streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. We'll be streaming live soon. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you here at Rick Bonfin Ministries, streaming live on Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. So if you've got your Bible, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, and, and we'll begin there seeing how Paul is going to progress this letter so if you recall, we're sort of still in, I guess in a way, the theological exposition of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He's kind of talking about the, uh, um, the effects of the cross, the unity of the Spirit, sort of our position towards God in Christ, our position as all who are saved, whether Jew or Gentile, that we are all the family of God. And so we all have access to God, the Father, through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty good Trinitarian statement right there. My Asbury Seminary professors will be proud. <laughs> so in the book of Ephesians, Paul, uh, in chapter 3, continues this, but then he, he starts to... Um, well, it's an interesting series of verses, in, in verse, starting with verse 1 of Ephesians 3, because he starts off talking about how he's a prisoner. Then he goes into all this stuff about how there was a, a mystery that was hidden in God generations throughout generations and has now been finally revealed through Christ and, and revealed to the apostles and prophets. And, it, and, and it, he just sort of dives into this thing, and you're left going, what in the world is he talking? He's talking about mysteries and, and all kinds of stuff. So let's, uh, so let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Okay? And that, that, that first verse is going to sort of be the, uh, the, one, the first main point of this Bible study, but let's continue reading a few more verses and then we'll uh, kind of back up and take a look at it. So he says in verse 2, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, the spreading out okay, of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, Gentiles, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery of, the mystery, as I have briefly written already. So apparently he, you know, he might be referring to the book of Galatians or a different, a different book that we don't have. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge 
and the mystery of Christ. So he's talking about, he says mystery twice, the mystery of Christ. So, which in other ages, then he begins to fill this in about the mystery. Which in other ages, ages meaning uh, Noah, ages meaning Abraham, ages meaning Noah, the prophets, the kings, the judges, okay? In other ages was not made known to the sons of men. Okay? As it now has been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. Now that is a really big fat mouthful. That Okay, so what's it all about? Verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel. That's the mystery. Okay? Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. To me... Then he starts to talk about himself a little more. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Okay, now he is saying how he views himself in comparison to others, to other Christians. I'm just the least. I mean, I'm nobody. Why? Because I was totally, I was persecuting Christ. I was killing his followers. I was trying to destroy the faith. Of all people on the earth, I am the least one who is deserving to have the grace of God. Wow. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. Man. who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Now listen to this, to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now he's talking about heavenly places. I mean, he's all over the map here. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Okay? Verses 1 through 13 come together in a package. In seminary, uh, there's a name for it, right? So, in verse 1, I'm getting a little technical, but hang with me. Okay? In verse 1, Paul brings up the idea that he is a that he is a prisoner. He's in prison, most likely in Rome. Okay, he most likely wrote this book from Rome when he was in prison waiting to appear at Caesar's court from when he was arrested in Jerusalem. And then in verse 13, he brings up again the idea that he's under tribulations for them on their behalf. And then encourages them, them do not lose heart. And he wants them to not lose heart because he's trying to explain to them that he's in prison for a worthy purpose. So, let's take a look at it a little more. 
Paul is in prison because in Jerusalem, if you read, if you read the book of Acts, okay, Paul's in Jerusalem. It's, it's, uh, I forgot to look up the specific chapter, 21 or so, 20, 21, 22. And there, Paul, Paul goes to Jerusalem and, and he gets arrested because he's accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple. Okay? So the whole thing surrounding Paul's arrest is the fact that Paul is interacting with Gentiles. He's opening the grace of God to Gentiles, and the Jews are just mad as could be, basically. Because Paul is saying that God's favor now includes Gentiles. All people on the face of the earth now have access to the Father, uh, and it's not just those who... Uh, who are of Jewish heritage, who follow the law of Moses, who are of descendants of Abraham. Of course, that's following the teachings of Jesus. Remember that Paul follows the teachings of Jesus. Jesus does not follow Paul. So that's found very much in the Gospels uh, of Jesus saying to the, the uh, Pharisees, you know, you, you say that Abraham is your father, but he's not. Actually, the devil is your father, you know, and all and and things like, you know, I can make I can make sons of Abraham out of these stones. You know, Jesus says some weird things about that, you know, really combating the idea that that God's favor is only upon those who are bloodline descendants of Abraham. Okay, so so Paul gets arrested because he's opening the favor of God to the Gentiles and he's preaching that. And so he goes to Caesarea, and then he appeals to uh, the court, Caesar, court, uh, Caesar's court, which he has the right to do as a Roman citizen. So he gets shipped off to Rome, and if you remember, he has the, the shipwreck and, uh, and all of this, and finally makes it to Rome, and he's in prison, and he's writing saying, don't be ashamed, because I'm not ashamed. Why? Okay. Why is Paul not ashamed? Well, see, Paul's position as a minister of the gospel, see, is one that understands he is a representative of something that God has been holding in his heart since the creation of the world. Okay. Now, the game just changed a little bit. All you pastors out there. I'm talking to you pastors now. Okay. So... Being a pastor is not just about having a call upon your life, which it is. It's not just about uh, running a good church, which maybe it is. It's not just about doing whatever you see in front of you in the moment. You are actually carrying on the purposes of God that were hidden in the heart of God since the creation of the world. Now, now this is why, this is why churches, denominations are so careful about letting pastors in. Well, some denominations aren't. <laughs> and we won't talk about that. But it should be. Okay, because this is not just some simple thing. We're talking about being a representative of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was hidden in the heart of God even before the creation of the world. So, so Paul supersedes Abraham here. He supersedes Moses here. 
it says, listen, I'm a minister of something that was in the heart of God even before Abraham was born. So the idea that being a Jew means you have more favor for, with God is not true from my understanding because God revealed to me that from the creation of the world, He wanted all people to be saved. That was actually what was in the heart of God a long time ago. And so this is a big thing. So I'm not ashamed of that, and you shouldn't be either. In fact, in fact you should be proud of me that I'm standing up for this. Because I'm standing up for you Gentiles. I'm standing up for you. Um, Paul emphatically states that the main reason uh, he was put in prison is because he preached that Gentiles were accepted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. And Paul also lived that way. He lived it. Okay? So Paul knows the importance of his position. See, the devil is trying to destroy the work of Jesus. Because now, now the devil knows what, what God was hiding. Okay? Actually, throughout Abraham, throughout Moses and all the prophets, it, it, look, it says, let me go back. Let me go back here. It says, now, okay, in verse 10, Okay, uh, to the intent that now, not before, not in the ages past, but now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. In other words, the devil did not know what God was up to in the Old Testament. The devil, the devil did not have a clue what was going on. He was blind to it. It was hidden in the heart of God. God didn't let it out of the bag. So the devil was just going around the world creating these pagan religions everywhere, just, you know, trying to reach as much havoc as he could, hoping to mess up God's plan. But really, the devil had no idea what God's plan was. He was clueless. Totally clueless. Okay? So the plan of God that was hidden during those times to us, to, to people, to the angels, to the devil and his demons... Okay? The plan that was hidden in the heart of God is revealed when the Spirit is released so that the people have the power to defeat the devil. Because now that the devil knows the plan too, it's too late for him to do anything about it because now the people have the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the devil. I mean, God is so smart. I'm sitting here giving you this Bible study, trying to sort of, you know... Look at these verses, and I'm I'm just like God. I, I I I barely know anything. All I know is that you're smarter than me. You're smarter than the devil. You're smarter than the angels, and you did it the way you knew it needed to be done to get it done. And so Paul is saying, "Look, the idea that the now let's personalize this. The idea." that the devil has some kind of plan upon your life that supersedes God's plan is a big fat lie. Okay? And these verses prove it. God is fully capable of having hidden plans for your life personally. Now, I'm not talking about big picture world stuff now. I'm talking about your life. God 
has, is fully capable and, in fact, I believe does have hidden purposes for your personal life and he's not, let, he's not going to tell the devil what they are. He's not going to tell the devil what they are. Okay? The devil doesn't get to know everything about you and what God is trying to do with your life. And honestly, you don't know either. I hate to tell you, but you, you honestly don't know what God is up to in your life either. I hope I'm encouraging you this morning with the idea that God is sovereign over your life. If, if God can hold the plan of salvation in His heart for the entire world throughout centuries and centuries of Old Testament, then He can hold in His heart a plan for your life and He can bring it to pass. He has that power. He can do it. So is the devil having a field day with your mind today making you think that God's plan is failing. God's not doing a good job with you and that the devil has a hold of you. There's a young lady I'm thinking of right now. And I'm not going to say who she is, but if you're listening, that's what the devil is doing to you. The devil is having a field day in your mind and convincing you that he is winning and that God's losing in your life. And that's a big old lie. So I hope that you're convicted. What do you do? You just repent. You say, God, I'm sorry that I lost sight. I forgot how big you are. I, I started looking at all these other things and, and, and the devil just got me turned around thinking that, that he knows more than you. And, and, the, and, and I just say right now, the devil doesn't know more than you, God. The devil's a total loser. If you could fool the devil for a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years, then what's... What's what's a few decades of my life? You can fool the devil. You're working, God. I gotta believe that. So I'm gonna start looking for you. I'm gonna start waiting for your plan to unfold in my life, and I'm gonna stop listening to the devil. God will hear that prayer. You know, just repent, turn to God, say, I'm sorry, God, that I just lost sight of who you are. You're so much bigger. You love me. Your grace is so good. Hallelujah. Hope you're being encouraged this morning. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's move on. All right. So I got something to say here. Um, what can we learn from Paul? Just a little bit. Well, so those who are called to leadership, um, <clears throat> you know, Paul is in prison. He's in prison because he, he believes with all his heart that he is an ambassador of a powerful truth that, that God has called him to preach the gospel to all men and women, Gentiles and Jews alike. In fact, he's so convinced that that's God's call on his life that he's willing to go to prison for it. In fact, in a way, he says that it's, it's honorable. He sees it as an honor. And I, I just want to challenge... And this is, this is not... This is for me, too, as a leader... That all of us as leaders in ministries, as pastors and church leadership and ministry leadership, have to, have to say, where, where is our true allegiance? Because see, right now in America, we have a lot of freedom. We have a lot of freedom still. 
you know. But there are a lot of people in American politics who would be happy to just take that freedom away if they had the power to do it. They would remove that freedom immediately. They would take it away. And now, should we be angry or surprised by that? Well, no, that's the history of the world. Nothing new about that. Okay, so don't be surprised. You know, the, the, the people in Washington who hate Christians... Aren't, aren't any worse than anybody else in the history of the world who's hated Christians, okay? So, so it, that, that's totally normal to, for, to see that. So don't, don't get all worked up and riled up and angry and, and froth, foaming at the mouth about, you know, people in Washington who hate Christians. That's, that's a normal human experience if you're a Christian. Every generation will have those who are against Christianity and want to suppress the gospel, okay? So if you focus too much on them and what they're doing, then you will lose sight. You see, in this passage, Paul doesn't talk about, he doesn't talk about his accusers very much. He talks about them some in other passages in the Scripture. But you know what he does here? He talks about the gospel a lot. He talks about Jesus a lot. He talks about his call. He talks about the purposes and plans of God. So that's where his focus is. So, now, back to it. If we're having a position where our freedoms are going to be removed, and we could potentially be put in jail because we're ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we have to know where our allegiance is. You know? Uh, I'm, I'm roughly halfway through my life. You know, 40, 50 years is a really long time for things to happen in politics. I don't know what's going to happen in America and the world in the next 40, 50 years. And I might find myself in a position... And I have to think about that and pray about that and say, God, I've been, I've been afforded a lot of freedoms, a lot of safety, a lot of security as an American who's a Christian. And I'm grateful for that, God. God, I have to confess to you that I'm not sure what I might do. That makes me a little nervous, God. That's okay to say that. But God, if it comes to it, I, give me the strength to choose you. And not be afraid to stand up for the gospel. I mean, that's an honest prayer. And I think that's a prayer that every pastor, every leader has to, should think about, consider, so that we don't get too comfortable. Okay? Too relaxed. So that if these earthly freedoms that we are able to enjoy during this time in our lives, this time in world history, which is so wonderful, I'm grateful for it. So that if things do happen to change, you know, that I've at least thought about it, had a chance to pray and realized that I'm very blessed. Many people haven't had that opportunity. Many people have persecuted all over the church and throughout history. If it ever comes to that, Lord, help me. Okay, so now let's go to church members. So that's leadership. Well, what if you're a church member? Well, ask this question about whoever your leader is. Do you see your leader as someone who seems to be willing to sacrifice worldly things to benefit their followers, to benefit the church? It's just a question. I don't want you. I don't want to pass judgment. You know, God blesses people. There's many pastors that get given a a, a beautiful car. They didn't ask for it. They, you know, they're driving a Honda and. And God just gives them a car. 
No, you should not, you know, turn your nose up at the blessing. Take the car and drive it and be proud. Okay, so so this is not a, a invitation to go looking at pastors who have worldly things and judge. Okay, so hear me on that. Okay, this is a question. Did you, is your, are you following somebody who has proven to be willing to sacrifice worldly things? That's really all it is. They would be willing to give it up. They have given up some things. You've watched them. They're not money hungry. They're not, you know, seeking for personal gain. Is that the person you're following? You know, somebody like Paul uh, is unique in his call. So we can't all compare ourselves to Paul and say we have to be like him. There's only one Paul, right? There was only one Peter. We have to be who we are. But we can learn from him. And he was, Paul was somebody who was willing to sacrifice worldly comforts for the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach others. He wanted to see people saved. He wanted to see people healed. He wanted to see churches planted. And he would, he would give up worldly comforts, worldly pleasures, worldly desires. And he says, you know, I've, I've had literally nothing and I've had everything. So, I, I, you know, I know what it's like to have both. And it don't matter. I just want people to know Jesus. You know? So, I just want to encourage church members to consider that idea. And as, and as your pastor or your leader, someone who is preaching Jesus. See, Paul was all about preaching Jesus. He, he did a lot of other teachings. He, he built churches. He was involved in organizing church administration and all kinds of other things, but, man, he was an evangelist and he wanted people to know Jesus. Is your, is your leader preaching Jesus, Christ-centered, preaching the Holy Spirit, inviting people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or are they giving self-help sermons? Oh, God, please help me. Are they a motivational speaker? Right? You ever met a pastor who's a motivational speaker, really? I've met some of those guys. And look, you know, honestly, they're doing that because they, they don't know what else to do, okay? And, and one day God will get a hold of those guys, and once he does, he'll have, the Lord will have a powerful preacher. Because if you, if you could get by doing self-help motivational speaking stuff, then once you get zapped with the Holy Spirit, then you'll be unstoppable. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Colossians 1, 26 to 27, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mercy, of his, the glorious riches of his, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, our hope is in Christ alone. You know, it's really a privilege to live in a time when the mystery has now been revealed. When we get to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and know that Jesus died on the cross and saved us for our sins. And I'm so grateful that Jesus has done that for me. And I want to I ask you, have you come to know the mis this mystery that Jesus has given Himself on the cross to forgive you of your sins, that He was resurrected to give you new life. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, that He ascended into heaven, that He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and He's interceding for you day after day after day after day. And that He will come again, and He will gather up His church, and we will be with Him for all eternity. Is that mystery planted in your heart this morning? Has the devil been trying to sneak in and convince you that, that God somehow is, uh, is not up to par? God somehow failed on you? The Bible says, resist the devil, he'll flee. So kick him in the teeth. Tell him to be quiet. Tell him to go suck a lemon, as Pastor Rick says, and grab hold of that glorious hope of salvation in Jesus Christ. We'll see you uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, stay tuned. We have some great Bible teach teaching coming up right after me. Y'all have a great day. God bless you. Yeah.